welcome to the PWE and Me podcast, a place where we talk about the workplace, how it's changing, and ways that we can create an experience at work that is inspiring, real, and motivates us to bring our best self to work. PWE, what is it? Well, it's an acronym for Purposeful Workplace Experience. I'm on a mission to help our workplaces shift from being transactional to transformational, and PWE is how we will get there. My name is Carolyn Suara, your host and creator of PWE. Another episode of PWE and Me is coming your way. And today's guest is somebody that I met a few years ago. His name is Dan Trometer. And the first time I met him, he left a real impression on me. And so I thought it would be great to have him on the show uh, and get his insights around our workplace and things that he sees and that he does to create purposeful workplace experiences. So Dan, welcome to the show. Oh, I'm thrilled to be with you. So, uh, you know, I started off sharing that that little story at the beginning, um, and I don't know if you remember it, but you were coming up on the elevator and we were doing a workshop together and you had such a vibrant, fun personality in this uh, very corporate environment and it was so playful and liberating and uh, it really... Well, it's a it's it was a wonderful first impression, and so um, I'm really glad you can come on the show. And I would love uh, love to for you to share with um, everybody out there what you do. What like what? Who is Dan Trometer? What does he do? Yeah, uh, well, that is a lovely memory that you have. That's great. Um, I am delighted to hear that I actually come off the way I feel. Happy <laughs> and pleasant. Uh, so yeah, my work is really all around. Uh, helping people be better. I'm I'm driven. I think uh, I think I'm driven by making people happy, and the way that I like to do that is helping them be better, better at work, better at home, uh, in general. I have a background uh, as a magician, so I use magic in my work. I'm a keynote speaker and a workshop facilitator. I do all, I guess you'd say, soft skill training. Right. Communication, uh, teamwork, leadership, uh, everything that I do at the core is about empathy. And, and, and so and you bring you bring this lens and you do it through magic. Is that a big part of, of what you do in your work? Yeah, I use a lot. Well, I, I won't say a lot. I use magic as a tool in the way uh, that I also use storytelling or optical illusions or workshop activities. It's just another tool in my toolbox that helps illustrate some ideas in ways that I can't with just words alone. Okay. And what inspired you to get into this space? Like, why do you even care about what happens in, in the workplace, for example? You know, honestly, I here's my approach. I want to help people. I'm not going to do that one-on-one. So I need a, a way to get to a bunch of people all at once. Turns out people all work together. Workplaces have events. Uh, all my work is event-based, so speeches and workshops, things like that. I don't do long-term consulting gigs. Uh, right. And so really my work in the workplace is a, a channel to get to the people. Okay. 
you know, I, I probably shouldn't say this on record, but I, I really don't care about the organization so much as I do about the people. You can say that all you want. I mean, purposeful workplace experience is really all about how do we shift into a people-focused perspective so that that comes first before the organizational mandate, so to speak. Yeah. And I think, as you know, when you've got good people, the organization can't help but be good. So that's a a lovely byproduct of my work. Uh, And, you know, I think that that can be, I suppose it could be measured. But honestly, it's just the better people are, the happier they are at work or at home, the more productive they're going to be, the better they're going to get along with their colleagues, et cetera. And so, um, so Dan, what have you seen happen over the past, uh, how long have you been doing this, this work now? Boy, I've been doing, well, I've been in magic for just over 20 years. So I've probably been doing this kind of work for 17 or 18. So tell us a bit about what you have seen over the past, like some shifts or changes you've seen in how people are interacting together. What shifts have you seen over the past 17 years? Boy, uh, what come? I went deep fast, eh? Like, yeah, you know, did. no and, messing okay. around here on this podcast. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the, the biggest changes I've seen have been in myself. Uh, obviously, that I have the, the closest view of that, and I can tell you a little bit about that. But I think what's exciting me is seeing how my clients and my prospective clients have really responded to my approach of soft skills. And, and so my experience is seeing people's attitudes change has been through the lens of my attitude changing. Uh, when I started, I thought I had to have the answers. I thought I had the, the expert as the speaker or the facilitator. And, you know, having never had a real job job, uh, I wasn't really equipped to be the expert. I wasn't equipped to have the answers. And so it often fell flat. Because I felt, well, honestly, I felt like a fraud, and I probably smelled like one, too. But then the, the more I embraced what I actually cared about, empathy, communication, uh, helping people challenge their own assumptions, the more I realized that that's really what was people were hungry for. Uh, seeing that they didn't need new skills. They're already good at their job. They need new ways of thinking about than their skills. Yeah. And so, so thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure that, I mean, I can identify, I think many of us have moments, I I guess the moments will vary, but we all can have moments of thinking we need to know all the answers. And when we let that go, a whole other Mm -hmm. level of authenticity can come shining through when you feel like you don't need to have all the answers and you harness the wisdom of the people you're with. Boy, you're hitting it right on the head. Yeah. The authenticity has been huge for me. I felt so much like a fraud. And eventually I just, I kind of gave up and said, well, if I can't come across as an expert in what I think people want, well, then what I am, what actually am I, what actually am I an expert in? And Hmm. I think that, that it's, I, for whatever reason, I'm very good at seeing the other side of things. I can argue 
uh, side of an argument that I completely disagree with just to help the other person understand that their answer isn't the only right answer. Right. So you're, you're kind of like a catalyst, right? Like uh, you help or, or a mirror almost like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to visualize the role that, that you can play. It's, it's like helping people see things that maybe they, they, they couldn't have seen before and focusing on the how we work together versus the what exactly, like what technical things or tasks do we need to do? Yeah, I think that's very accurate. Uh, I think about this uh, occasion that happened, gosh, it must have been, must have been 12 years ago. Uh, I was working with a senior leadership team of a company out West. It was maybe a dozen executives. It was a half day workshop in the morning. And I started the whole thing with this piece of magic where somebody loans me a, a $20 bill, they sign it. I hold it in my hand, fold it up, it disappears. Then on the table, there's a little red box. The, the person who lent me the bill, who happened to be the president, opened up the box. Inside the box, a little bag. Inside the bag, there was a lime. We cut that lime open and inside of the lime is his signed $20 bill. Wow. And yeah, great trick. It's a classic of magic. And I used that as an illustration of the idea that impossibility is an attitude and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe something's not possible, well, then you're not even going to try. So what you've just seen here, you know, is impossible. And yet it just happened. So then the question becomes, what are the other things in your life or at work that you think are impossible? And maybe you should challenge that. So I made that point and then I moved on, did the rest of the half day workshop. Everything went fine. At lunch, uh, it became clear that I was the only person in the room who had moved on because the president of this company, the guy who lent me the bill, said, Dan, that trick with the line is great. I know how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, okay, how'd I do it? He said, oh, well, it was obvious. You And then he told me his theory. It was a good theory. It was detailed. Uh, it actually could have worked. And that's what I told him. And I also asked, well, are you sure? I mean, that's a good theory, but are you sure? And he looked me right in the eye and he said, well, of course I'm sure. It's the only physical explanation for how you did that. Wow. Okay. And then what happened? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I told him, uh, actually, you know, I'm not going to tell you if you're right or wrong, but I will tell you that in the last 15 years of doing this trick, I've used at least a dozen different methods, at least 12 completely different physical techniques to achieve the exact same end result. And what did he, what was his response to that? Well, he looked like I punched him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> it was like his brain exploded with the idea that there could have been more than one right answer. And he thought about it and, and he said, well, all right, so if that's true, and I believe you that it's true that you've got 12 different ways you could have done it. And I have the only, and I thought I had the only right answer. Then I guess I need to go back to the office and I need to look at all those things that we as an organization think we have the only right answer for. We right. need to question those. And it was just so great to see this person who was so completely certain, have his mind opened a little bit to more possibility. And so, and, and the self-awareness to 
go back and and think about it. So I'm curious to know, did you like, did you ever interact with him again? Did you hear how he might have applied that? You know, I didn't. I never I never went back to him. I really should have. Maybe he's listening. Does it? Maybe he's identified himself. Reach out to Dan Trometer. <laughs> yes, I hope so. Well, and I think what you, I think what you shared there is so, um, you know, it's just it's so important. A lot of things come to mind for me, and and you know, I've been I've dug my heels on some things too because it's worked. We know it works, and we are working so fast to get stuff done. We don't give ourselves the, the space to even think that there could be other ways. Yeah. Yep. And it makes sense, right? I mean, we can't always reinvent the wheel. And for that matter, we don't need to, right? right. If, it, if it worked yesterday and it works today, well, okay, let, let's keep going. There's an efficiency in we've always done it that way. But, you know, while it's not, I think it's not necessary to reinvent the wheel. I do think it's a good idea to kick the tires once in a while. Make sure those yeah. old ideas are still applicable. You know, things change all the time. Well, and I want to come back to that original question um, that I asked you, which was like, what changes have you seen over the past 20 or so years that you've been doing this work? And and you shared the change that you recognized in yourself, which was which was tremendous and I'm mm. sure really changed how you interacted with with clients. Um can, let's let's build on that um, in that that story that you just said. Had you experienced those types of ahas or um, maybe stubbornness in that they knew the answer? Like, can you relate that story, I guess, to the past, the changes you might have you might see over the past uh, or might have seen over the past seventeen years? Hmm. What comes to mind is simply that once I started embracing that idea of simply helping people challenge their assumptions and not be so certain about things. Once I made that shift, I saw how open people are to it. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, obviously, but uh, in large part, people are stuck in their ways and yet open to new ideas. Right. So I don't know that I've necessarily seen I don't know, a, a shift in terms of how many people or how often people are more open to change. I've, I've just seen that it's been embraced the more I embrace it. Hmm, that's pretty powerful in and of itself. It really is. And, uh, you know, from a personal perspective, it, it helps me understand that, like, go with what resonates with you, with me, right? Like, figure out what's important to you. Uh, I'll use me. I, I really worked hard to figure out what was important to me and what, what I wanted to do in the world. And I, you know, I went all in on that. And I tell you, the moment I actually tapped into what I care about and put that out into the world, that's when I started to get busy. That's when I started to really, you know, the phone kept ringing. And when I would do presentations, I could just feel the the shift of energy in the room from, you know, who's this guy who's never had a job telling me what I should be doing to, wow, this is a really interesting new perspective from somebody that has a different point of view and different life experiences and, and a kind of a, a hunger for that authenticity. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the things I studied uh, while I was doing my master's, 
was authentic leadership theory. And I didn't even know it was a thing. And when I read about it, I I thought that I discovered this magical, you know, thing that, um, well, I, I just, I was so excited to find it because to me that, that had always been something that I tried to emulate when I was in the corporate world to be myself, be my authentic self and still be, um, be true to the organization and the corporate, um, the corporate entity that I worked with. And, and I think, you know, now that I'm an entrepreneur, I've been doing this, you know, for three years now, it's, it's certainly a lot easier to find your authentic self when you aren't accountable to a big company. And I think that's, that's part of the challenge that, you know, you and I, and people that are in this, this field, um, have is, is how can we help people who are in a corporate system, a hierarchical system quite often, um, even though I know we're moving to more self-managed teams, but how can we find that authenticity in um, a big system like that? So I'm curious to know what your thoughts might be around that. Now, I know you haven't worked in what well, you keep saying a real job, but we'll just say you haven't necessarily worked <laughs> in the corporate world, but you That's have right. a real job. You're making money. That's right. um, what insights could we share or what thoughts do you have around helping people tap into that authenticity when they work in um, a company that's not their own? It's a good question. And uh, the hesitance you hear in my voice is my, uh, my advice radar coming up. Like I'm, I'm pretty hesitant to offer advice. I can offer my experience. Offer insight, the insight yeah. from Dan around that. And, and, you know, and thank you. Words are powerful. And I think, um, maybe I, I don't know if I use the word advice, but I'll, I'll retract mm -hmm. that. What insight, um, could you share around that? Yeah. <laughs> I think it really comes down, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is something that I've been working on myself is simply self-awareness. Try to get a, I'm trying to get a better idea of what drives me, what motivates me, what my needs are. Uh, and the more I can figure out what's going on in myself, the better that guides me in my decisions in terms well, everywhere. Right. So, you know, I, I, you're right. I, I have a job. It's, you know, it's running a business just like you. Um, the difference I suppose is I don't have a boss. My boss is the clock and, uh, my calendar and, and get, and write my clients, but it's not, it's, it's a little different. So nonetheless, even though it's a little different, it's still, I guess all of that stuff is my boss. And so I need to operate within the, the parameters of that and i find the more that i can figure out what drives me and what i need and what i care about that helps me work within whatever structure that i happen to be in does that make any sense whatsoever it absolutely does i mean what i'm hearing there is make time for yourself and figure out what's driving you and let that guide you versus letting everything as I say, like letting your tasks or letting your tasks drive you. Yes. Well said. Yep, exactly. It's true. I've got a to-do list. I got stuff I got to get done, but how do I actually get it done? Uh, and what I find is that the more I can tap into what interests me and what I care about in order to get those things done, 
the easier it is, the more fun I have, and the better the, the results. So let's let's go there then. How did you find out some things about yourself? Because again, I, I don't want people who are listening who who aren't you know their own boss to think ah whatever I'm not going to listen to this this is, this doesn't apply to me. We all will have um, boundaries within which to play, um, and so. What are some things, or do, you know, do you mind sharing some things yeah. that you did to figure that out? Like, what was important to Dan? Yeah, well, it's certainly still a work in progress, but I've been, well, I did a fair amount of journaling. Uh, I took a course in applied positive psychology that actually really helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, helped me understand not only what drives you know kind of humans in general, but me in specific. Uh, and following that, I also took a course in coaching. So now I'm, uh, finished a coaching course, a course in coaching, and I've been doing practice coaching as well as being coached. So I guess you might call that life coaching. Uh, and that's really helped just having somebody else to talk with about, well, whatever I'm, I'm working on, uh, right now I'm working on what are my needs right? and, and getting that outside third perspective has been tremendous. Yep. I, uh, I, I know when I did my coaching certification as well, it uh, just the questions that were being asked of me were just allowed me to dig into a whole other level. So, you know, my, my takeaway from that, from my learning, and it sounds like from yours, is that, you know, you can't do it on your own. It really helps to have... A person, whether you hire them or not, to help you dig in and understand what is really important for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think in general, you can't do much of anything on your all on your own. Uh, I know that in in my career, the more I've leaned on other people, the better I've been. Right. The more I can collaborate, whether it's on anything, uh, I, I'm just so much better in collaboration. And I, you know, I think if I, if I take that, that concept, I mean, collaboration is a key component of, of a purposeful workplace experience. So connection and collaboration are the two top things that, that I talk about um, in that model PWE. Uh, And, and when we look at the workforce and the workplace that we're in right now, things happen so fast. I mean, your morning, might start off planned to be one way and by 11 a.m. a pivot, you have to pivot and something's happened and you've got a customer issue. And so we can't, we can't rely on our own experiences anymore. This, this ability to collaborate and to tap into um, the collective intelligence is so important. Um, and so if we don't know what grounds us in terms of our own needs, we can get caught up in some of these other things and not collaborate as well. Boy, absolutely. Yeah. And, and something else that comes to mind for me too, is the importance of empathy. Yes. So empathy is sort of the antidote of certainty and certainty I think is a, a real problem. Um, the, the, the whole, we've always done it that way. Um, and empathy can go so far and, it, in my in my case, uh, it can be a bit of a double edged sword, right? Because being too empathetic can lead to inaction because you can see every side of a situation. Uh, but I think that that's relatively rare. I think more often we think we're right, and we think that we think that that other person's uh, 
wrong or uh, worse, (laughs) stupid or uh, ignorant or whatever it might be. Uh, And that's understandable. I mean, we've got, you know, that's that's the way the brain works. We've got these logical fallacies that are running all the time. And in, uh, from my experience, the more I can stop and try to imagine what it might be like from somebody else's point of view yep. or challenge my own assumption, or for that matter, even identify that I'm making an assumption. Right. And that's, that's huge because so often our assumptions are, we don't think they're assumptions. We think they're just fact. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and again, how many times in a day does that happen where, you know, we're driven by this mindset of productivity and efficiency, like, I don't have time to stop. Um, And I remember that going through my head, like, I I don't have time, I just have to get this done, there could be a better way, but no, we just have to do this. Um, And, and frankly, that's just not good enough anymore. It's not helping, it's not serving us as individuals who are doing it. And it's not helping the people that we work with either. Yeah, it it makes me think. What's what's the goal here? Is the goal checking things off a to do list, or is the goal some bigger result? Well, and I'll go even one step further. Or is the goal just to make it through the day? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's driving a lot of behavior for people, um, because there's so much noise. There's so much to get done: work, home, family. Um, you know, we have so many pressures on ourselves, and that's what I think gets in our way: is that I just need to get through the day. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, you're having a moment of empathy there, aren't you? I can tell in your voice. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I can identify with that. I am fortunate in that. Uh, getting through my days tend to be, it tends to be pretty manageable. Uh, You know, no kids, uh, Katie's at work all day. I can kind of crank through, I can focus, buckle down and get things done. I need to get done. Uh, Which brings to mind the idea of gratitude Mm -hmm. and how transformative that's been. Uh, That's something that I teach in Uh, some of my sessions is just the power of gratitude and some simple tools to tap into it because it, I've I've just seen it make such a huge difference in my life. And then to hear back from, from other people, what it's done for them has just been tremendous. It's a, it's a absolute perspective changer. Wow. And so can you give us an example then of, of how you like include gratitude into your day? Well, I, yeah, currently I've got a, a little book, a little, uh, what's it called? It's sitting right here. It's something my friend gave me. It's called Good Days Start With Gratitude Journal. Okay. And it's each two-page spread has a full week on it. Each day it says, I am thankful for, and then there are three lines. And that's it, three short lines. And each day I wake up. After I, when I'm having my coffee, I write the date. I write three things I'm thankful for. It tends to be uh, kind of a, uh, almost like a diary. So Great. I'll write about three things that I was grateful for that happened the previous day. Yep. And I don't know, I'm maybe two months into this thing. But other uh, prior to this thing, I did a project on Instagram for well, probably the better part of three years where I would photograph something I was grateful for every day and post that on Instagram. That worked really well for me because 
I have a photography background that's, you know, that kind of taps into that interest. Uh, I like an audience. So the social media aspect of it was really good. And it would, you know, at first it was uh, just something I, I did in hopes of trying to see what I have versus what I was lacking. Uh, I made a realization back when I started that project that, gosh, I'm, I'm focused way too much on what I don't have mm-hmm. and I'm missing all the things that I do have. Let's, we need to stop right there because that is a really powerful mindset shift, right? It's this idea of coming from a place of abundance versus a place of scarcity. And it's really easy in these big systems that we work within um, and the way our brain is wired to focus on what we don't have or what has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, gosh, I mean, flashing back to meetings, uh, and strategy meetings and even, you know, meetings I've led like, okay, what, what are we missing and what do we need to do to be better? Um, and so this power of gratitude, this gratitude practice is something that I'm seeing more and more come into the workplace. And so it's not, um, it, it's making a shift from being this, you know, sort of light and fluffy, whatever to, yeah. um, it's really making a difference in the workplace. Uh, and, and I don't know, have you seen specific examples of it showing up in any of the work that you do, the gratitude specifically? Well, I can tell you a story uh, that was told to me by one of my uh, classmates in the positive psychology. He's a, uh, an executive in healthcare in the States. And he was working with, uh, I don't remember the exact details, but I do remember that he was chairing a meeting between two sides of some issue And they had been going back and forth and back and forth for months. One side arguing this, the other side arguing that. And they were pretty much at a standstill. So Ron came into the, what was going to be the, basically the last meeting to sort of last ditch effort. And he started the meeting just by walking around the room, handing every person a little piece of candy And then he said, before we get started, I'd just like to go around the room and have everybody just tell us one thing good that happened in the last week in your life. Wow. And with no context, he didn't, he didn't build it up at all. He just, he literally handed out a piece of candy and asked that question. And each person went around and just said something from their personal life or their private life. And he said it completely changed the energy in the room. And by the end of that meeting, they had come to a resolution to an agreement on this long-standing stalemate that they had been facing. Wow. It's, I mean, that's magic. Yeah, it is. And I think it really speaks to the power of, of getting your head in the right space to see what's good. It, it helps you not ignore the bad, but understand and kind of put it in context. Yeah. Not let it, not let it, um, supersede everything else because there is, there's so much good. There's, there really is, um, even in the face of, of bad things. Um, I always, I always have looked for the silver lining and, and I was told for a while that that was a bit of a weakness in me, but I, I see it as a strength, you know, no matter what I'm going through, I will always look for the, well, what do I have? And let's, let's hold on to that. I didn't even use the word grateful for a long time. I just focused on what do I have? And let's be thankful for that and grateful. Um, so it's, how did, uh, that's, you, how did you develop that? 
Because that's not automatic for people. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess there there was obviously some things that my mom had maybe laid down the frame. I, I I really I don't know. I just I know that it's always been um, a part of the way that I think. Oh, it's always been Yeah, I can and I can remember as a as a young child. Um, you know, well, here's what I have. Uh, so you know, I, I think there's so many factors that that play into that. Um, you know, in, in terms of how we're wired. I, I do know though that gratitude is a practice regardless of how you're wired, gratitude will help you um, in taking that pause. And, and I, I did some things in my own, in, in, in a former job that I had. Um, I had a, a team of, of people that weren't highly functional. Um, they didn't hate each other. But one practice, one thing that I did was um, I had flip charts with everybody's name on it. And I just asked people to write on a sticky note, what's one thing you really appreciate about the person? And they went around and put sticky notes. And I was blown away. I thought, oh, gosh, we'll see how this goes. But people were blown away by that exercise. They had no idea that that's how they were perceived or how people thought of them. And they kept those charts. Um, I know I kept mine, too. And on those bad days when you feel like you're not doing anything right, and we all have them, I, I will, I, you know, I'm not lying. I, I opened up that chart once in a while and had a, a, quick, a quick reminder. And, and, you know, again, that's a, a piece of, of gratitude. I didn't call it a gratitude practice at the time, but it was like, okay, let's just go back and regret and be grateful for what I've heard people say in the past about me. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes me think of a very similar sort of outcome, but a different delivery. Um, I was in a, in a group and uh, at the end of the whole I don't know, 10 weeks, uh, we each got a sheet of uh, uh, typing paper, right? Printer paper, yep. laid our hand on it and traced our hand as though we were going to do a, a turkey, right? You just yep. trace the line of your hand and you write your name in the middle of it. Everybody did that around the table and then everybody shifted the paper one to the right. And mm-hmm. then in on that piece of paper someplace, each person would write something about... Uh, the appropriate person right and the papers just kept moving around the table until you ended up with yours back and you had this piece of paper that had your handprint and your name and in different colored markers everybody else's thoughts about you something good about you yeah tremendous yeah it's uh that's cool i can't i can't i keep thinking of the turkey image um (laughs) but you know and and i I think it's important for us to realize that these are the things that we do have control over in our workday. And, and regardless of where you work, um, these types of things will help you connect to the people around you and will help you pause and come out of this productivity overload that we're in and help reground us. And, and, you know, I think, I think the, the conversation that we've had, Dan has been, so important um, from an individual and also from a workplace perspective, right? The, the power of empathy, the power of, of gratitude is, um, is really, is, is really big. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love hearing you say something around uh, what we can control. I've been thinking a lot about that lately. We've got, I mean, really the, I guess we can separate things out into the things we can control and the things we can't. The things that we can control is a pretty short list. Yep. And one way to think about it, I think, is we can control our thoughts and our actions. Yep. Outside of that, not a whole lot. But within that, boy, there's a lot there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right? Decide where to put your time, decide where to put your energy, what kind of energy to put in. And I think a, a practice of gratitude, a, a daily or weekly practice of just looking at what's, what you have that's good is such a huge step in controlling your thoughts which then, of course, control your actions. Absolutely. And, you know, I think I think there's no better way to round out this conversation by saying I'm grateful that I got to work with you that day and got to see that energy that you exuded on the elevator when you walked off because it has led to this wonderful conversation and I'm sure more, more conversations between you and I in the future. Awesome. I love it. Well, Dan, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and, and sharing uh, sharing your insights. Uh, it was um, it was a fabulous conversation, and uh, you know what? The magic of gratitude—that's really what's resonating with me out of this conversation. It is absolutely a magic power. All right. Well, thanks again, Dan, for coming on. And to everyone out there, we look forward to seeing you on our next episode of PWE and Me. in hearing more about PWE? Well, I'd welcome you to buy my book, Rules of Engagement, Building a Workplace Culture to Thrive in an Uncertain World. I share stories, personal and professional, about different elements of PWE. And it's available on Amazon or on Indigo. Thanks to all of you out there. This is why we do this. This is why we have this conversation. We look forward to being with you again on our next PWE and Me podcast. Now, the best way you can hear us is to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes. And if you don't like either one of those two, you can always go to my website at carolynswara.com.